You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What's up, guys? It's the 3M Podcast. My name is Charlie. My name is Sean. And today we don't have DJ. He's like at a dinner or something. Yeah, it's weird, bro. Uh, So in his place, we have... Reed. (laughs) Yeah, brother. From episode Thailand. If you haven't listened, go back and listen. Uh, But yeah, great episode. Anyway, uh, 3 a.m. Comedy horror podcast. We tell scary stories. We tell funny stories. (laughs) Uh, This is like the first 3 a.m. of the new year. Yeah. We've we've done some 3 p.m.s. Y'all have heard those, but this is the first... 3 a.m. Yeah, and it's not really official, official because not everyone's here. But oh yeah, that's right, dude. It's as good as you're gonna get. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone who showed us love over the holidays, who sent in. We got like a ton of stuff from listeners. Shout out my mom; she sent us a ton of candy, <laughs> bro. Like I was getting a new package every day. Yeah. I was like who's sending this stuff to the 3 a.m. boys? Yeah. And I'd be opening it like, oh hell yeah, Reese's. <laughs> oh hell yeah, Yerba mates. Dude, she got way fancy and got us Ferrero Rocher. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so shout out mom. Shout out Sam. He got us like a murder mystery game where you have to like find the killer or something like that. So yeah. we're excited to do that. Reed, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Childhood friend of Charles. Been living in Utah for I think six years now. Um, nothing, nothing really. Nothing's news. Grew up in Oregon, lived in Thailand. Yeah, I uh, I uh, was born in California, then kind of hopped around, went to high school in Oregon, then went on my my mission in Thailand. So, mom's from Thailand, so that's a huge part of my life. So, trying to eat Thai food all the time. <laughs> so, like to be honest though, like if I had to pick one cuisine to eat for the rest of my life, Thai would be like right up there with either. One or two. Yeah. It might be my one. It might be. I think Thai's my one. Indian food's my two. I uh I know I feel like super lucky that I got to live in Thailand because a lot of other people are like it's a rule of the dice, right? When you get called on a mission, like where you go. <laughs> and like a lot of people just don't eat good food. And I was like literally <laughs> stoked every day of my entire mission. Like I was just like, oh lunch, man. Like I'm so excited. <laughs> Dude, I ate like a ground beef and ketchup for two years. Yeah. Like that's what Australians eat. They eat trash food. Sausage sizzles is like a they just like grill sausages and they taste weird. Yo, but did you have to eat Baloo? spaghetti oh. with ketchup? Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. You might have me beat. Filipinos are wild. Southeast Asia and red sauce. They just yeah, they have to do with it. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, what's happened since we've been on the Gislaine? Gislaine. How do you say it, bro? <laughs> Is it Giz or Giz? Or I thought it was just Gislaine. Because it's French? I don't know. Gislaine. I sense. know. I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, she was found guilty, but then. She hasn't been suicided yet. But they're having like another trial because 
after the verdict, one of the jurors was like, oh, I was uh, a victim of sexual assault when I was a kid. And then they're like, well, that warrants a mistrial. So they're like, oh going to start it gosh, again. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Fun times. Uh, I'm on TikTok. Have you guys ever been on TikTok? <laughs> the only TikToks I get are through Instagram. So I'm <laughs> yeah. not on the app. Yeah, once they make it to reels, dude. Yeah. I stayed super strong. I'm pretty adamantly against TikTok for because it's a <laughs> an invasive app like it is insanely it collects all your data and it's just it's pretty sketch anyway so i've like been pretty adamantly against it didn't download it for like two and a half years and then my work was like hey you need to know the trends on tiktok so you got to download <laughs> so i did and dude i 100 percent understand people's addiction like within 15 20 minutes i was like fully addicted and then like <laughs> i tried looking at ig i tried looking at youtube and i was like none of these are as good as tiktok just how fast and how easily served up everything is it's hmm. insane but within like an hour tiktok had me down so all of my tiktoks are like world star hip-hop tiktoks or straight up crazy conspiracy theories <laughs> <laughs> and i am sl quickly slipping into like a lunatic, <laughs> a lunatic level tinfoil hat <laughs> over here. <laughs> yes, dude. I like know so many random things about so many random. Like, I had my aunt and cousin over for dinner the other day, and we were just chatting. And I don't know how or why we got into conspiracy theories. And like 15 minutes later, I was like, "Please shut up!" Like I was just going off on everything. It's <laughs> like stop talking, stop, and I couldn't, dude. So anyway, it's an issue. It might taint or color my content for a while <laughs> moving forward because now all I can see is conspiracy theories. So sorry, listeners, but that's me. Yeah, I don't even think I know what like the actual interface looks like. Oh, dude, let's pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> they did this on Flagrant too, and they like swipe for like two minutes and like, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot they were doing a, uh, let's see. So is that just like your homepage? Yeah, you straight yeah, you up just, just open it. Scrolling, and it's I think. Huh. And it will just serve you stuff. So this is some weird hip hop conspiracy theory. No. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I'm like weirdly into like black conspiracy theories. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all about like MLK, oh, yeah. Malcolm X, and rappers, dude. There's everyone's there's so many people who are convinced rappers are clones. And it's it's so Clones? weird. I could see yeah, that. Bro. Yeah. Anyway, I gotta let's, stay let's away, not get into dude. it, dude. Yeah, let's <laughs> with not the get amount, into it. With the amount I watch X-Files, dude, I would get too deep too fast. <laughs> Question. Huh. Have you ever had uh, an interaction where you met someone where you immediately like didn't want to live anymore? Uh, because it was so awkward? Oh. <laughs> Bro, I do that regularly. I'm just an awkward person. Like, how do you guys greet people when you meet them? Depends. I'm pretty, I don't want to put myself out there right away because I'm nervous. So I'm just like trying to keep it cool. Like, hey, what's up? What's yeah. Up? Yeah. Sometimes it's weird. You go in for like a fist bump and they shake your hand. Oh. Or, you know, when I was living in Australia, all these dudes from Utah would try to greet like Polynesians with like, Trying to give them like a <laughs> Dap them up. Like they would, yeah, they would come in like this. And I was always like, oh, that's so weird. What's up, dog? Their hand all cocked like they were going to like do this and like do a bro hug from the side. <laughs> uh, in Hawaii, you're supposed to kiss on the cheek. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. one 
the first time we went to Hawaii, DJ was telling us that, like right before we met one of his girlfriends. And he was like, this is how you greet. You got to do it like this. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, how do I do this? <laughs> um, I'm just handshake, dude. That's it. <laughs> Sean's like super outstretched handshake. Uh, one of my coworkers hugs. But in the way he hugs is everyone usually puts their head to the right when they hug. Or the left. <laughs> the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He puts his head to the right. Ugh. So like the first six times I saw him, I almost like kissed him on the lips. <laughs> and his reasoning was he wants to hug heart to heart. So like left side to left side. I was like, okay. But he ruined Here's the like thing, my interactions though. with people. If you're going to change it up, it's your responsibility <laughs> yeah. to let others know you're changing it up. Dude, no. He just, he just <laughs> lets you fail right almost into his face. Uh, the other day, my boss was in the office. He's kind of a, he's a, he's a big shot. Like he's rarely in the office. Mm-hmm. Your FaceTime with them is minimal to none. And so like every interaction you have with them is pretty important. Like people <laughs> really care about it. And, uh, oh, man. <laughs> he was like walking through saying hi to people. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to greet, greet this man. <laughs> oh, so he's like standing there and I'm like, Hey dude, what's up? <laughs> And he's like, hey, and I go in for like a side. He doesn't really do it. He kind of hits my hand. And then I, what ended up happening is I just sort of hugged him. (laughs) And he stood there and I was like, and I left and uh, he left the room and it was just really quiet. And I sat there and I was like, did anyone just see how awkward? (laughs) And all of my coworkers were like, bro, that was rough. And I was like, to my superior, I was like, dude. Uh, I can't work here anymore. This is, my, this is my official two weeks. It was the worst interaction I've had in a very long time. And I cannot stop thinking about it. But anything like that, you two? Like just want to die. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hmm. And it, it's fine if you don't. I just needed to get that off my chest. <laughs> you know, the safe one, though, is fist bump, dude. Like a fist bump is the safest. Yeah, and I because guess if like, they mess it up, that's on them. True. And you're not going for a hug. It's just like for future mm. reference. Do you ever have like standoffs? Standoffs? Where it's like you go in for a fist bump and they're kind of like this and you just wait until one of you. No, nah, dude. I've had that. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I usually don't. I don't shift. I just sit there and wait. Oh, then you make it awkward. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Be like oh. switching up real quick. All right. Anyway, I just wanted to, I wanted to <laughs> tell you all about that and wanted to die. Guys, this is going to be a short episode tonight because we're leaving for Hawaii in a couple days. All of us. It's yeah. going to be fun. Super yeah. stoked. We're trying to go to Morgan's Corner. Which is? Uh, the haunted place in, in on Oahu. Do you know Morgan's Corner? No. I can't remember the cliffs. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like what the cliffs are called? Yeah. I want to say like the Nepali cliff, but that doesn't feel right. Negative. I think okay. that's Maui. Yeah. That's the Nepali coast. I don't know. <laughs> that is Nepali coast. And that's on, who cares? It's all the same, right? Yeah. We're going to definitely know when we get back too. So <laughs> anyway, Morgan's Corner is where in one day, thousands and thousands of Hawaiian warriors oh, fell the to their death. Oh, Uanu Pali lookout. So Pali lookout. I yeah, just poly lookout. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to go there. People have had experiences. We'll do our best. 
But Dude, Morgan's Corner is only the third most haunted place. What's the first? The first second? one is the Polly Lookout. Oh, okay. Second one is the locals know not to bring pork through the tunnels of the Nu'uanu <laughs> Polly Highway. That's crazy. Isn't that's that's the, the normal second. highway. Yeah. <laughs> it's haunted, more haunted than Megan Morgan's Corner. I think that's baloney, dude. I'm going to stop like trying to read these, though, because I'm going to butcher all of them. <laughs> um, would you guys rather have Spider-Man's powers or $100 million? <laughs> um, bro, I'm going Spider-Man's powers. I think my initial reaction was like, you mean the money? Yeah. But then when you like think about it, you could definitely leverage those powers for... Have you seen money. that like TikTok where it's the dude who's like, would you take a hundred, like a hundred million right now or a dollar every week for the rest of your life? And he'd be like, pick the dollar. That's passive income. <laughs> I've seen those. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So he's just mocking that. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's what I think of Spider-Man powers. That's passive income, bro. I'm like Reed in that. Originally, I was like, bro, a hundred mil. But then you think about it and you're like, okay, yeah. You could use your powers to make money. What is the best way to make money with your Spider-Man powers? Rob from the rich and give to the poor, which is myself. So, <laughs> But like what rich people oh. in a video game? <laughs> <laughs> the cartels did. Still like drugs and resell. Is that essentially it though? Just straight to crime? Well, Superman I mean, here's powers? the thing. If I have powers, my ethics are going to change because... <laughs> I mean, where there's great power or zero responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any uncles. I'm close enough to have to tell yeah, me I and die in front of me. If I were to use those powers, it would be not in the U.S. Yeah. It would have to be in some like yes, actually. lawless country. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Canada. No, I'm just uh, no I, I agree with Reed. I would straight up go to like Southeast Asia and just wreak havoc on bad people. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like not feel well but also it. like are you starting out as you are now but yes. with those powers or yeah. are you like a trained assassin with no like powers? literally tonight you okay, have the powers okay, okay, okay. well i mean i'm still taking the powers for sure but not in the u.s i don't trust the government dude. <laughs> so we were discussing this with dj and he was like dude you just get sponsorships yeah. and i was like so you would be public with your powers because i don't think i would be i don't want anyone to know because i do not think you live a free normal life if people know you have Superman power or Spider-Man powers. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. If you do have powers, you have to take either a super private life where nobody knows mm. or you have to go 100% public. Otherwise, you're going to get captured and have experiments run on you. There, Maybe there's a happy medium where you can display your powers in a muted way. Yeah. So that you just look like you're insanely talented. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Because like... I don't know if you've seen The Incredibles. The end of the first Incredible movies, like Dash is like, slow down, slow like down. he's like slowing himself down so he gets third in the race. Yeah. <laughs> if you like mute your powers in a way that allows you to be extremely successful. But. So it's successful in what though? If you have those powers, what are you going to be most successful? What's the in? most bang for your buck? And it's sports, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which sport players are paid the most? Probably soccer. I was thinking, yeah, soccer or boxing, probably. Or fighting in some sort because, of martial yeah, arts. Because, yeah, I would say boxing over MMA because um, you only have to do one fight every, like, year. True. And you're making $100 million off of that. Like, it would take you a minute to get to the level where yeah. you're getting prize fights. But I think you'd become such a gimmick because, like, you'd come out of nowhere. 
we're not none of us are like insanely like ripped you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying so it's like we'd look like normal people Bro, i am the gypsy king yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think that is the best you just box and then use your spidey sense to dodge everything yeah or soccer though like i feel like soccer would be a like a good way if you were good enough and like if you see like the top 10 highest paid athletes six out of the 10 are going to be soccer players really yeah yeah dude i think boxing might be the go because i i i can't kick a ball boxing would be the easiest yeah Yeah, it would definitely be the easiest yeah like if you're if you have spider-man powers can you kick balls with accuracy like is that just given to you i I think it's just reflexes so if you're like basing it off of the skill of reflex and fighting it's like for sure transition You just got to maybe like strengthen your fist or something. Yeah. Just so that when you punch it, it's like, yeah. Because if you start out with those powers as you are right now, are you the Tobey Maguire where next morning you're ripped? Yes. Or are you? I want that one. one. For myself. Yeah. For myself. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Dude, I, I saw that all over IG. It was like everywhere. People were discussing that. And most people were like, 100 mil, easy. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I think I'd go Spider-Man powers. For sure. The spider sense alone, Spidey sense Mm -hmm. alone, you could detect any danger that's going to happen to you. True. That's invaluable. Oh, yeah. And you could easily monetize. Yeah. If it translated to video games, I'd become a professional video game player. Like if you have Spidey (laughs) sense, like that someone's going to snipe you from the back. Yeah. yeah. And you're like all of a sudden like (laughs) dodging it. Like this is the actual Matrix at that point. (laughs) But anyway, heated argument. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, we'd love to hear your thoughts, listeners. <laughs> um, dude, let's just do a short one. All right. Do so, you want to get into stories? Let's go. All right. All right. So since it's going to be a short one, let's just get into it. Now we roll our 20-sided die to determine in what order we tell our stories first. Oh. Highest number goes. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light. Lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing... Give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, And it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, Go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am. And you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3am. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. 
It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. First. Oh! (laughs) I threw mine and it immediately bounced out. And the numbers are? Cannot see. 11, 6, 9. Okay, so the order is Charlie, Sean. And then then read if he has anything. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys remember, what was getting your license like? Like the first time? What do you mean? Or like when I renewed it? (laughs) Like when you were 16. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get my license until I was like 19, dude. Bro, tell us about that. Why not? Because I didn't really like care to drive legally. I was just lawless, dude. <laughs> Where did you live? I lived all over the place. Like if I got caught, I from was going to si- move. From so. 16 to 19, where were you living the most? Uh, Ohio and Arizona. And you straight up just drove illegally? Yeah. I had a permit. What the freak? <laughs> But the only reason I got the license was because I needed to get on a plane to go to the Philippines. I got it the week before I left. Had I not passed the test, I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> I feel like half of my friends like drove themselves to their test and then they failed. And they just drove home. Dude, self snitching at its finest. <laughs> just the feeling of freedom, though. You go from like 15 and then to 16, being able to drive. Do yeah. you guys remember that? Yeah. Dude, the second I got my car and driver's license, I was gone literally all the time, <laughs> exploring everything I could. I'd drive like out of the state. I'd, I'd go everywhere. I was just exploring. It's like the best feeling ever. Um, I have just a couple random stories. One of them I got today. The first one is my, so I played on the water polo team in high school. And what the water polo team was known for was drugs. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> so like the biggest drug dealers were on the team at the time. <laughs> and I'll just call him M. He was super nice kid, white kid. And uh, he had a van, like before vans were a thing. But his van was like <laughs> like a nasty. <laughs> like, you know, they're trying to kidnap somebody. Yeah, it wasn't like that. a cool sprinter van. It was like a, like a Sierra. <laughs> Or I, what's the brand of van? Like an Astro van. Voyager. Yeah, yeah Plymouth Voyager. I literally <laughs> think it might have been that. So anyway, he would always like ditch school. Random people would go with him to smoke or do whatever nefarious activities that 16-year-olds are up to. And he told me this story that one time he it was like late at night. And if you have stoner friends, everything to do with marijuana and smoking weed is so ritualistic. It's ridiculous, right? <laughs> So all of my friends were the biggest potheads in high school. And like when they wanted to smoke, it was a whole ordeal. And it starts with like hunting for the perfect place. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You grew up in, you yeah. went to high school in Oregon. So you know what I'm saying. Uh, but so, yeah, they're like, you know, they just got their weed and they're looking for a spot. And finally they find this like dimly lit, super in the back parking lot somewhere, like away from a main road. And they're like, yes, perfect. So they're like four deep in the van. And so they pull into the parking lot. They park. They probably like open the door so it doesn't smell too bad in the van. And they're just, you know, they start their sesh. (laughs) And as they're smoking, a car had come into the parking lot with the lights off. Sus. And they didn't realize until the car pulls right alongside of them. (laughs) 
immediately they all freeze and like stare like is this a cop mm. is this a narc is this a pervert you know is this a serial killer is the gang member who knows and they see the man driving and he looks over at them and they just stare at him and he nods and they're like oh, okay cool, we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably just looking for a place to smoke too and as they they kind of like resume their activities the guy pulls out a glass pipe and a blowtorch. <laughs> and they were like, and we sat there and watched this man smoke crack. <laughs> he just starts smoking crack. And uh, they were, they like quickly turn on the van like, dude, we're out of here. Like this is another caliber. So they took off. <laughs> Never forgot that story. I just thought it was so funny. so they, funny. They said they were all just staring at him. And while he's staring at them, he just starts smoking like, crack out of a pipe. I was like, good hell. What a flex. <laughs> Another story. Uh, my little sister lived in Hawaii for either a little under a year, over a year, I can't remember, but a, a considerable amount of time. And she made friends with a lot of locals. She made friends with a lot of transient people. And one of the people she befriended while she was in Hawaii was like, she said he was like a hundredth generation Hawaiian or something, you know, just like the oldest mm-hmm. that you could get that's there. And that's pretty rare to yeah. get. So he grew up knowing the island front to back. He knows every place. They were hanging out on the North Shore and kind of without giving my sister a lot of, they were pretty good friends at this point. So she like knew him, trusted him. But without giving her a whole lot of context, he was like, hey, let's go. Uh, let's go for a drive. I want to show you something. She's like, all right, let's go. Seems, yeah. She hops in the uh, Toyota Tacoma 2003. <laughs> <laughs> and they just start driving up into the jungle. And at first the road's paved and then eventually the road's not paved. And then eventually it's like hardly a road. <laughs> They're just up in the jungle and they go all the way up a mountain. They're like, keep going, keep going. They're vibing. They're just playing music. Nothing's weird. Finally, they come to a point where like they can't go forward anymore. I can't remember she said there's a gate, but they stop at some sort of something, either yeah. like a post or a gate or something, and they are out there. Turn the truck off. And my sister Heather's like, yo, what are we doing? He goes, hold on, just wait. So they get out of the car, walk around to the front of the truck. She's like, where are we going? And he's like, just wait. And she said, as she's sitting there, the jungle's loud. Yeah. All sorts of things. She said... It felt like it started to get quieter and quieter. Uh. And the vibe was changing. So again, she's a little uneasy. She looks over at her friend. She's like, yo, what, like straight up, what are we doing here? He's like, hold on. I'm just checking. And within like a minute of saying that, three trucks come pull up the path behind them. And a security guard gets out. Oh, shoot, dude. And he goes, like, hey, brother, what are you doing here? He's like full Hawaiian. So in broken or pidgin English, they start speaking back and forth. Heather said basically they were just like, the security guard was like, bro, what are you doing here? You know you're not supposed to be here. He's like, oh, we're just, you know, just checking it out. And he goes, you guys got to leave. Like, you can't be here. The interaction happens. It's pretty quick. It's pretty friendly. But it's very clear the guy's like, you got to go. Yeah. You cannot be here and you know you shouldn't be here. And they get in the car and they leave. That's pretty much the end of the story. Huh. So I was like, what do you think it was? She's like, bro, I've thought about this so much. Like, I don't know what it was. Her guess is he went there knowing 
I think even the security guard says, like, you know we have cameras out here. Because her theory is that they went out there and she thinks he was waiting to see if they would come. And if they didn't come, they would have proceeded to something. She thinks it could have been like some dope local spot. Only locals know. No one else is allowed to go there. Only Hawaiians are allowed there. Something like that. Um, But that's what she thinks. When she was telling me that, I immediately start thinking of forbidden places in Hawaii. And the first thing that came to my mind, this could be completely untrue, but I was thinking, you know, the ancient royalty of Hawaii would never, ever, ever tell anyone where they were buried. Mm, Only one family was like entrusted Mm. with that. And so I was like, immediately I was like, it's probably like a site, like an archaeological site or something. And that Hawaiian dude knew if they didn't come, then it was safe to go. Yeah. So he was just chilling, waiting. But unfortunately they did come. Or fortunately. I don't know. Yeah. That, that whole interaction like reminded me all the time hiking in Southern Oregon with my friends. Like we would always be out in the middle of like rural Southern Oregon, Northern California. And we'd always roll up on like some like massive like weed field. <laughs> and like people would come out with guns and be like, oh, you guys need to leave. And we'd be like, okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah, bye. <laughs> Do you have any more like of that stuff? No, but it just it would happen at least like once or twice a year. Oh my holy! Because they're just growing so much there. Oh yeah, that especially like off of I five that goes up like from L A all the way up to Vancouver. I was gonna say if you drive with the windows down, you can just be like, yeah, oh yep, yeah. <laughs> so like we would be we'd go hiking all the time in the summer and in the fall, and we'd always end up like at least once a year like run into like a big field and people. That's wild. Like, you gotta get out of here. I have like an irrational fear of accidentally rolling up on someone's field and like not having a good a- interaction. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy because Leeds Weagle. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez Louise, dude. <laughs> Leeds legal dude. in uh, California and Oregon now. But when we were in high school, it was not yeah. legal. And the whole weed game was way different. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I had friends who grew. I had friends who had in a video game. This is not real. I had friends that had like grow houses where like three rooms of their house was like for growing weed. And they were constantly in fear of like getting caught up by the feds. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's just like, my, I know, you know, like grandmas who like are growing a couple plants in their their garden. That's so crazy how fast that changed. But I knew someone who, when she was in high school, her boyfriend was like, Hey, let's go for, they, he lived like near foothills Hmm. in central Valley. Actually, I think this is up north in um, near Santa Cruz. But he's like, hey, let's go for like a ride on the four-wheeler out in the country. And she's like, dope, let's go. So they meet up. It's going to be like this date. It's her boyfriend, you know. Mm. And he like hands her a backpack. What's that for? Oh, you'll see. Oh, no. Jump on the back <laughs> of the four-wheeler. They go through their remote. You know, they like take the four-wheeler to a, a fire road, which is like unpaved roads up in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. And then they take the four-wheeler from there like way off path, like crazy far out there. And she's like, okay, like this is fun, but like what's going on? We're, we've been driving for like 30 minutes on this four-wheeler. And then finally they come up over a ridge and she sees like a huge crop. And he like turns it off and he's like, okay, we got to walk the rest of the way. And he's like, open your bag, opens it. It's just shears <laughs> and like gloves. And he's like, grab as much as you can and let's go. And she's like, holy shit. And they just run into the field, <laughs> grab as much weed as they can. They fill two Jansports up and just jump on it, take off. Damn. Just like a fun story until like it could have gone really bad. It could have, yeah. yeah. So 
Bro, also, you just carrying a bag with shears in it? Like, I'm checking a bag if someone's <laughs> yeah. giving me a bag, dude. Bro, carry this. I'm like, what's <laughs> in here? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Can I tell a quick story? Yeah, please yeah, do. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this is like one of my dad's favorite stories to tell. <laughs> um, my dad grew up in North Carolina. Papa Lou. Papa Lou. Um, and then he waited tables like on, in the beach city, Wilmington, North Carolina. It's probably like 30 miles north of where like Outer Banks is shot. Oh, okay. Um, so he grew up. He went to college in that area. Was he a shooby or what? Or what are the terms? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sean knows. Uh, give me a second. Keep going. Okay. I'll anyway, um, was he a ghetto kid or a prep kid or in between? He's probably in between. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, he was. Uh, he worked as a waiter with his best friend Spicer, <sighs> and uh, they had a house together. His, Spicer's dad was like a real estate developer, so they got this cool house, kind of like off off of like a little stream that like led into like the Cape Fear River. And uh, so they, they would just wait tables, have a good time. And he tells me of this coworker that was recently hired, like after he'd been on board for about a year. I don't remember his name, but he said that this guy was like eccentric and <laughs> super fun to have around. But everyone knew he was kind of like, he was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, like my anything dad- could happen when he's around. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, he ended up being like, yo, I need a place to stay. And my dad was like, hey, there's an empty room in our house. Like, you can come live with us. You know, so uh, they're just kind of like watching him be himself and just loving life. Right. It's like summertime. You know, you're with your boys. It's just like you're having a good time. And uh, he had this guy. Well, let's call him Ben. Ben had all these crazy stories about like, like dealing drugs. And he's like. <laughs> Like I've dealt drugs to all these NBA players, like lists off like high profile NBA players. He's Michael like, Jordan. Ever heard of him? <laughs> Seriously, like, well, Michael Jordan like lives in Wilmington. Oh shoot! So um, probably. I don't know if it was Michael Jordan, but he was like, these are all the NBA players that I deal with. Blah 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 blah. Always had these crazy stories, and we, they were all just like, "Nah, you're just messing." Like, get out of here. <laughs> anyway, um, so they go back, back home to Raleigh for the for the holidays. Come come back. To Wilmington and uh they're at work. Ben doesn't have work that day. Ben's off. So Spicer and my my pops are, are waiting tables and they keep on getting calls from this guy. Like he's calling the restaurant, like, you guys need to get your asses down here. Like, come to the house. Come to the house now. Ben is saying come to the house. Ben is like, you need to get down here. Uh, and uh so they're like, they kind of drop everything. It's kind of like they're about to close anyway. So they head out early and they walk into the door of their home. And my dad said there's just marijuana everywhere. <laughs> like fans are blowing. Like, like plants. No, like like trash bags full of oh. marijuana, like emptied out onto the floor and the table and they're being dried out. And my dad is like, what is going on? And I guess Ben got tipped off that there was a huge marijuana shipment that got busted. And so the crew, they, they were they were transporting by boat. The crew just started throwing over like bags of marijuana into the river. And Ben got heard of it, like got wind of this. And so he got in a kayak or like a, they had like little boats, <laughs> you know, and just started like, dingy. just started putting like that trash bags full of marijuana into the boat, went home. So they came home and it was just like being dried out Mountains everywhere. Of That's weed. And they were like, my dad was like, you got to get this out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but just like that initial reaction, you just like, I wonder what Ben's up to, yeah. you know, he's like freaking out, just w- opens the door, just. Tar- my head said tarps were being, like laid out and he was just drying all of the <laughs> all of the weed dude one of my favorite stories out of 
the documentary Valley Uprising. Okay. Oh, yeah, dude. That was such a good story. So Valley Uprising is a documentary about the climbing culture in Yosemite National Park back in like the 60s, 70s, 80s. And just like climbing in general. Uh-huh. <laughs> and back in like the 70s and 80s, it was lawless dirtbags. Straight up. Homeless kids. They would like steal packets of ketchup to eat, eating cat food. Like um, the the local authorities were like combing Yosemite Valley, like looking for them. And they would like have to live in all these caves and like move camp every night and stuff like that. <laughs> If you have any desire, go watch Valley Uprising. One of the, one of the best f- documentaries. It's so fun. There's like mythical um, characters in Utah, or not Utah, Yosemite Valley. Like there's an old man who like, I don't know, 20 plus years was a homeless dude who lived in the valley and like he never got caught. And like, <laughs> they would go to him and like learn from him. He'd like teach yeah. them how Chongo to do Chuck, bro. Is that what his name was? Yeah. Dude, Chuck, <laughs> you're the best. So help me out with details if I get these wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they create this culture of, uh, of rock climbing and just lawlessness. And they all like a lot it's of. It's honestly them, a dream. Yeah, like, it is. It's cool. It sounds, it's like Neverland <laughs> it with, is, dude. without pirates. But yeah. it, I guess they did have pirates. They were uh, rangers. Cops, dude. <laughs> um, so Camp 4 in Yosemite is where they would congregate. It's where they would train. They would have these bouldering rocks get stronger. They would share things and techniques and drink and party. Uh, they're all hanging out one day. And one of their girlfriends was she like worked in the forestry and it was like to receive signals if like she would be like one of the people yeah she would switch calls to connect them on like one of the switchboards Mm. so she's at work one day and she gets this call from come through and it's like mayday mayday a plane has gone down in this crazy like uh high up hard to get to spot in yosemite and it's like a nefarious plane they don't know where it is it has like it's like unmarked and stuff it's very sketch she gets this call she immediately passes it on to the authorities or something like that. And then uh, on a break, she runs over, calls her boyfriend at Camp 4, and she's like, yo, this plane just went down up in so-and-so valley. You guys should check it out. Well, these mofos don't have anything to do. <laughs> so they get up. They get all their gear, their climbing gear. They're the best ones equipped to get to it. It's hard to get to. And they start on a journey, and they get there. What they find is a plane gone down, and in the plane was hundreds and hundreds of pounds of weed, like hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And they see it, and they're like, holy <laughs> shit. And they, like, send someone back or something. They're like, bro, bring every, like, everyone we trust, bring them up here. And the weed is in, the, in a lake, and I believe gasoline from the plane had leaked into the lake. Mm. So they're just like jumping in the water, getting as much of the weed out as they can. It's wrapped up, but like, yeah, it's kind of getting in there. They're so they get it all out, get it all out. They create this mountain of weed <laughs> and they hike it all out before the authorities can get to it. And when the authorities get there, everything Everything's is gone. gone. <laughs> <laughs> and the authorities like, this is so they don't, the authorities don't know there was any weed. Yeah. But they're like, this is, this is odd. <laughs> and so they start questioning all the, all the climbers and the climbers are like, we, we have no idea. Yeah, dude. But next minute, uh, climbers start showing up with like super expensive stuff. And in fact, some of the climbers took the money they made from selling that weed and they started a small company and they made that company grow. And that company was Patagonia, <laughs> which is crazy. Like, yeah. oh, I love that. Or like one of them like opened up like uh like an inn or a hotel or something like that in Utah or not Utah, Yosemite, stuff like that. Yeah. But people would smoke this weed because yeah. it's like getting sold everywhere around there. And people would 
like hear stories of like sparking the joint or something in it because it had gasoline soaked in it, it would be like, <laughs> like ignite, <laughs> burn their beard and shit. That's funny. But dude, so fun. That's dude, crazy. Just absolutely lawless in Yosemite, bro. That's yeah. freaking. Please go watch dream, it. Dude. Yeah, I Valley Uprising. That. Super fun. When Have I, you uh, seen that? No, I haven't. Dude, you should watch you it. You can watch it's it. So yeah. Fun. When I, uh, I like followed up with my with my dad about Ben. I was like, whatever happened to Ben? Like, did he just fall off the, uh, yeah. the earth? And uh, he's like, he's a senator now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was like, we went to we went back home for winter break and then returned to Wilmington, and uh, there was just like a cheeseburger on the counter, like with a bite bitten out of it and like cola, like soda. And I guess like the FBI had like arrested him oh. on like drug dealer cocaine charges. Oh. So my dad was like, all those NBA players that my dad was, that he had like said that he sold to, he was like, that was probably true. <gasps> he probably rolled on NBA players. Yeah. So that like he avoided jail time and then he had to go to like witness protection or something like that. <laughs> That's the classic like two bites out of the burger. Yeah. Just, just sitting just on, the, sitting sitting on like, the table. Yeah. What, what happened here? <laughs> Oh, dude, that's I'll have crazy. to check out that movie though. Oh, it's, it's so honestly good. so dope. Sorry for interrupting. No, you're good. I just wanted to <laughs> close the story out. Any more drug stories? <laughs> drug related stories. I got I got more. Uh I was in a car in a dream I had. <laughs> and uh they sold this kid like an ounce of shrooms. And he was in a in a class younger than me. And we like drove away, we got food, and we get a frantic call like two hours later. And he's like, he's like just i could hear bawling on the other line and he was like come help me like come help me he had eaten all the shrooms <laughs> and he was convinced the devil was outside of his door trying to get in devil was, probably was dude he was <laughs> full-on terrified yeah probably was um another story this kind of goes along with your dad i told this once but it got cut i think it's from an early episode actually i don't i think it just got cut from the episode we used to cut a ton of stories from the episode. <laughs> so it's just weird. Like I, I have memories of telling it, but they never made it. My dad grew up in Orem, Provo, Utah. And uh, when he was 16, he said he had pretty rough friends. They were rowdy, right? They were all Mormon, but they were like Jack Mormon. They were all drinking. They're all having sex. They're all pretty rough and tumble. And they all like worked at the same kitchen as dishwashers. <laughs> and do you know that big ass hill that comes from Provo up to Orem? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So they were like driving around there, and the some the restaurant was somewhere around there. So they're working in the back as dishwashers, and the head chef of that restaurant was a super tough Mexican dude. I can't remember his name. I think it was like Luis, and Luis had done a ton of time in prison in California. So he's covered in tats. He's like five foot one. And he is just the toughest mofo ever. <laughs> so like he's fun with my dad and his friends, but they, he also just commands an insane amount of respect from him, right? So it's either before or after a shift. My dad is in the back of a car of his friends. There's three of them. It's like the driver. I think my dad's in the front seat and then their homies in the back. And they're like driving around town, cruising. I don't know what you do. And they pulled up to a stop sign and they're like looking to their left. And there is like two... Uh, redneckish looking guys, tough looking dudes in a truck. And they're just staring at each other. My dad and his friend are staring at them. They're young, they're dumb, they're full of testosterone. <laughs> and as they pull away, all of a sudden these dudes start chasing them. 
and he they are like getting aggressive they're on their tail they're like trying to push him off the road they're like pull over like you pull over pull they're screaming at my dad and his friends and they're they're like what the heck they're older guys they're like 25 my my <laughs> dad and his friends are like 16 so like what the heck they don't know what to do my dad turn here turn there turn here can't shake these guys till finally the driver is just like i uh, i'm going to this restaurant i'm going to the restaurant <laughs> so they pull into the restaurant the truck pulls in behind them and these guys are like we're gonna f- kill you like we're gonna kill you so they pull in they pull in behind the guy in the back jumps out of the car runs inside and my dad and his friend are like yo yo like what's going on we don't know what's going on the guys jump out of the car it's like two or three guys big guys like we're gonna beat your ass we're gonna kill you and they're like we don't know what's going on we don't know what's going on all of a sudden boom back of the restaurant door bursts open and Luis comes out he has a frying pan in one hand and a butcher knife in the other hand and in spanish he's like goes off and he just runs like right in front of my dad and his friends and he gets in between them and these big guys and he's like looking up at him and he's like what mother (laughs) (laughs) and uh he looks over at my dad's other friend and he goes go get me the hot grease and so he runs into into the the restaurant and he's just screaming at him he's like we're not gonna have an issue here and they're like dude there's two of us like we're gonna kill you mexican you know i'm sure they said some racial epithets or whatever uh anyway Dad's friend comes back out with a pan of hot grease, gives it to Luis or Raul. I think it was Raul. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Luis grabs the pan, looks at it for half a second, looks back at him, and he's just like, you better leave. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. You better leave. They're scared. Finally, he convinces them enough. They get in their truck, and they go away. And he looks over at my dad's friend, and he's like, I told you to get me the hot grease. And yeah. he throws the pan at him because <laughs> the pan was just full of just like coals. Like- <laughs> This dude was legitimately ready to like throw hot grease oh, on someone bro, and just kill him. Savage. Yeah, I know. Uh, so yeah, my my dad was saved that day. Luis is like, "Why were they chasing you? Like, what yeah. was going on?" And the guy who jumped out, who was in the back of the car, he was like, "Uh, I think that was my fault." And they're like, "Why?" Apparently, as they pulled away from the light, he just flipped them off in the back of the car. <laughs> and my dad and the driver had no idea, yeah. so he was just in the back, and he's like. And then that's when they were like, oh, let's go kill these kids. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, my last story. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't be sorry. Uh, this got told to me today. So before I start it, when you guys moved to Utah, like Utah has such a specific culture, right? It's pretty diverse in all of Utah. Like most people would think Mormon, right? Yeah. Inside of Utah, there is something called Utah Valley, <laughs> which is like even way more intense. There's like such a strong culture. And that's like a, a near BYU or Brigham Young University. I would say like 99% of everyone who's there is Mormon. Everyone grew up in like the Mormon. Church. So it's like it has such a strong and specific culture. It's crazy. It's like the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. Uh, we all are not from here. So when you move here, it's a huge culture shock. It is a culture shock. And you learn all these like customs and terms that are just like solidified in the in the culture here. And some of them are like the Provo push. <laughs> uh, I think it's updated now. I think it's called derfing. There's derfing, there's soaking, there's provo pushing, there's jumping. <laughs> Have you heard of jumping? No. Okay, so if you are uncomfortable with sexual things, grow oh, up. Could you please? Could you please not? <laughs> but I'm gonna get into these. The provo push. So in the Mormon church, we believe uh, you should wait till marriage to have sex. 
naturally everyone just wants to bone and everyone has <laughs> hormones. So it's like on everyone's mind, how do I get around this? Right. Yeah. So Mormon kids devise as many ways as they possibly can <laughs> to like get as close as they can to having sex without actually having sex. Rightfully so. All these coin terms. I've never actually known anyone to do these. I think they're kind of urban legends, but I do think they, they <laughs> I think they do happen. Like so, after having lived around BYU. So the Provo push is basically dry humping, right? So you both have clothes on <laughs> and you just like dry hump until you get off. Yeah. <laughs> Soaking is when you, the man, the male, puts his penis in the female. Doc. And, and you do not move. <laughs> yeah. You just lie there still. Uh, oh, is, shit, dude. What? <laughs> Sean just the, looked up. Some Provo push during a Mormon soaking session. So this is during the soak. Ah, sorry. A third party pushes up on the mattress under you both to initiate thrusting. Oh, dude. That's <laughs> basically what jumping is. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> so you, okay. Jumping is when a male puts his penis inside the female and then someone <laughs> your homie your closest homie gets on the bed with you two and starts jumping so that there is some movement going on <laughs> and is that real by thus that doing that you were not committing sin right that's crazy right that's the idea <laughs> i had i had two friends at byu that just jumped to anal because they thought that wasn't having sex Bro, isn't that crazy? You're like, that's chill. That's not breaking any rules. Soaking. (laughs) Like planking, only your dick is inside a Mormon. (laughs) Okay. What's derfing? Derfing is the uh, dry humping. Okay. We all know these terms. They're they're like things we joke about. They're not actually true, but I do think they happen, right? They're like an urban legend. (laughs) When I played for BYU, there was a corner kick play. We called it the Provo Push. (laughs) That's lit, dude. That's I love tough. that. We played uh, soccer for BYU. In case anyone cares. Uh, I heard a new one today. Ooh. Oh. And unknowingly, when we lived in the trap house, sometimes you did this? we did this. Oh, Fred. Dude, what did we do to you? It's called chastity checking. So what is chastity for a non-Mormon friends? Chastity is like uh, not boning. (laughs) Chastity is when you wait till marriage. So chastity checking is when you drive around with your homies and you go to all the parking lots up in the mountains. Yeah, we did do that. And you you spotlight people who are making out. So up and around BYU, there's all these parking lots that are notorious for people to go make out in. Right. (laughs) So chastity checking is when you and your single loser friends who don't have girlfriends and are mad at the world, you go interrupt that any way you can, right? See, but ours was not done to check the chastity. Ours was done to troll the non-chastity. Yeah, there you go. You were trolling for Jesus. Because we were <laughs> trolling for the Lord. So my homie Ethan today, uh, maybe I Whatever. My homie Ethan today was telling me this one time he was chastity checking with his friends. They were younger. They were like 16. They got their license. It's fun. They're doing all this new cool stuff. (laughs) And they had, dude, they just had the greatest night. They were going to all, like so many packed parking lots. They were like turning their brights on. You pull right up to the front of cars, turn your brights on. And it's funny to watch them try to hide. (laughs) And it's getting near, nearing the end or later in the night. And they're like, bro, there's like one more parking lot way up there. And I bet there's someone up there. Let's go check. It's probably Squaw Peak and probably was. <laughs> probably. 
And the way that this parking lot is set up is it has one road in. There's only one road in. And you follow this long, pretty narrow road in. And it opens up to this little parking lot. And there's like a building that is a bathroom and a couple of parking spots. So (laughs) it kind of looks like this. Oh, our visual aid. (laughs) (laughs) So they drive in along here, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can see the parking lot, all the spots, and they look pretty empty. And they're they're like, dang it, no one's there. So they're thinking about turning around. As they're turning around, they see a car poking out on the other side of the bathroom. They thought they got away. Thought they got away. And, bro, they are stoked. They're like, oh, yes, dude. We're going to get these guys. (laughs) And so they pull up right in front of the car. They're facing nose to nose with this car. And they flick on the brights. And they all scream at the top of their lungs because what they see is this is how he described it a dead body sitting pressed up against the driver's window almost against the windshield completely ghost white eyes open rolled back in the back of their head mouth open limp what the oh shit (laughs) so they all are like yo what the is that like is that dude dead driver reverse starts to take off down that road everyone's freaked out and one of them was like no 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 f that dude like we gotta we gotta, we gotta call the cops like we gotta call the cops So like okay let's wait here and call the cops so they decide to turn around they turn around they pull back into the parking lot and they're gonna stay on the other side of the parking lot but they pull in and they no longer can see the nose of the car so they pull all the way up Car's gone. Oh, frick, dude. That's nuts. And the kid who told me that day, he's like, dude, I have no way. I have no idea how or what happened. But he's like, I was there. I saw it. That's crazy. And he's like, I have a video of some one of my friends is filming himself as it happens. Oh, frick, dude. Heck yeah. Okay. So I'll just show you. We're chastity checking girls. It's two girls making out. This is actually weird. Oh. So if you listen, watch. That's all he filmed because he stopped filming. Yeah. But that's the second they realize like something's not chill. Oh well, you can hear like the car like yeah. They're having fun, they're pulling up. It's two girls making out. This is actually weird. And then you can hear the driver going away. <laughs> the way he <laughs> looks kind down, of like the like, last frame, yeah. he doesn't look like he's having fun anymore. <laughs> but that's the story. He's like, dude, I have no idea where the car went. There's like nowhere it could have gone, but it was straight up just gone. Bro, you got to be careful out there chastity checking people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, shout out Ethan for that story. That was, it creeped me out. I was like, that is creepy. What the freak? Dude, it's one of my biggest fears. I've said this time and time again, but I do not want to come across a dead body. Oh, yeah. We talked about this. Deej was full on, yeah, I want to see a dead body. I'm like, I think that would be kind of cool. And you're like, nah. I, no, I don't want to do it. Like, cause I would see it later on in my life, like, like in my head. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, like, time you clo- <laughs> every time you close your eyes, you'd see it. You know? Yeah. No, it's not that bad. <laughs> okay, Sean. <laughs> like a freshly killed body, maybe. Oh, my but gosh. Like- no, I'm not down. So, anyway, 
he he's just like dude i have no idea he was in the car with them and he was like i have no idea but he said it was like the the guy was like white as a sheet pressed up against the glass mouth uh. eyes open but like he said it looked like a corpse and he was just they they all freaked out uh, you know what they should have done was got a freaking license plate Oof. before it disappeared true nobody's because yeah, there's nowhere that car could have gone that's what he said and he's like dude they didn't pass us. They know 100%. And there was like nowhere for it to go. But it was straight up not there anymore. And that's uh, the tale of the ghostly chastity check, dude, <laughs> in uh, Provo, Utah. So there we go. That was a real spooker, dude. <laughs> and that, that's me tonight. Cool. Who's next? All right, guys. I'm taking us out to Texas. Oh. Kevin's Texas. Hey, us. So... Our story comes from someone we'll call her Ashley, and she is moving from New Orleans to Eugene, Oregon. So she's driving in her however long, like, what are the increments of a U-Haul? Like a nine-footer, 14-footer? Something like that. She's like in a 14-foot U-Haul with herself and her dog. And she's making the long drive from New Orleans to Eugene, and at the point where this happens, she's out in... But f- nowhere, Texas, <laughs> which is like half of Texas. Yeah, there's nothing for miles, and she's just doing her thing. Probably, you know, listening to music, driving through this desert wasteland, and starts to like think about it. And she's like, "I'm probably gonna run out of gas here pretty quick." She starts to look down at like her gas meter, and it's getting close to empty. She starts to kind of low key freak out a little bit. And then she sees a sign that is like, okay, there's this little town in one mile. So she pulls off, heads into the town, the one gas station that's there, no stoplights. We're talking stop signs, town only. There's like four roads. So she stops at the gas station. She fills up. Whew, she's good. Crisis averted. She gets back in the U-Haul and she starts to head back to the interstate. Only she can't find her way back. She starts like circling around this town, going each of these four roads that make up the entire town and is growing more and more frustrated. She cannot find her way back to the interstate. She can see it off in the distance, but for the life of her, she cannot figure out how to get back. So she heads back to the gas station Now, before, she had just paid at the pump, so she didn't, like, go in. She stops. She gets out of the car and goes into the gas station. And there's, like, this 17, 18-year-old boy, like, sitting at the, uh, like... Register? Register. And nothing, like, no, like, red flags pop out. He's just kind of, like, sitting there reading a magazine, dark black hair kind of combed over his, like, face, like... She uh, walks up to him and asks, hey, how do I get back to the interstate? And he doesn't look up at her at all. Just keeps like reading his magazine. He's like, he's like, okay, this is what you got to do. You get on this road. You'll go about 17 miles. At this point, it's going to curve back around towards the interstate. And she's kind of like, I just got off of the interstate. <laughs> should be right there. It should be right there. And he kind of just waves it off like, you can 
you can follow my directions or 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 not. That's your choice. Yeah. But this whole time, not looking up at her, and he's like, "Yeah, no, it just curves right back around. It's super weird, but like, waves are off." So she like turns around and steps out of the gas station and immediately starts having this panic attack. Like her first thought was, "There's no way. There's no way I have to head out into the desert to get back to the interstate." And her second thought was, I don't know what this guy's intentions were, but they're not good. Hmm. So she heads back to the U-Haul, hops back into the front seat, and starts to break down, starts crying. She's like, I don't know what to do. Like, short of knocking on doors, like, that's the only thing I can do in this tiny little town. She's terrified to do that. So she's sitting there crying, not sure what to do. And this beater, like red pickup, pulls into the parking lot. And kind of hesitantly, but also like urgently, she jumps out of the car and like runs over to this truck. And this big dude like steps out, like boots, flannel, like beard. And she looks at him and she said that she saw kindness in his eyes. So she like walks up to him and is like, hey, I don't know how to get back to the interstate. Like, can you tell me how to get back? And the guy, like, kind of recognizing that she was freaked out, mm. he kind of, like, calms her down by making her laugh. Like, oh, yeah, it's super hard to find. Like, you come out of this, like, concrete tunnel around one of the roads, and it's a hairpin turn that takes you right back. And she's, like, starting to already become a little more relieved. And the, then out of curiosity, she was like, what, what would happen – if I took this road about 17 miles out and he's like, he kind of gives her like this weird, like, like concerned look. And he's like, how, how do you know about that road? Like only locals know. And she's like, the guy in the gas station told me that's how I get back to the interstate. And he's looks at her and he says, no, that'll take you the wrong way. And it dead ends out in the desert by a bunch of beat up old cars and trailers. And it's really all owned by this one family, basically meth heads and like drug dealers. And that's it. Yikes. And she starts to kind of like freak out saying, Hey, yeah, this guy in the gas station just told me that's how I get back to the interstate. At this point, he uh, was like, do you have a map? And she's like, no, I only had like map quest. This is like 2010. Yeah. <laughs> So he like pulls it like his like beat up old map out of the truck and like spreads it out and like shows her the route she would have taken. And it's straight up just dead out, dead ends out in the middle of the desert. And he's like, no, you need to take this hairpin turn. It'll take you right back to the interstate. It's about a quarter of a mile. And she's like, okay. Takes the route, gets back to the interstate and makes her way to Oregon, survives. But this close, close encounter with and she didn't even talk to the guy at the cash register like after that probably didn't want to and she doesn't know what his intentions were if he was going to rob her or worse but since we don't have DJ I thought it was fitting that trust your gut was what she went with oh, that makes me uncomfortable yeah not okay oh dude I would run in there and be like I would demand answers bro well yeah I mean, I would too, but also I'm not like a 20 year old girl. True. 
out in the middle of Texas. That is my privilege. Yeah. That's creepy. That is creepy. Yeah, I didn't like that. Like this, I'm not saying this is what it was, but there has long since been believed like networks on the open roads of people who like work together. Yeah. So either like truck drivers or even <sighs> gas, sta- gas station attendants, but it's like people who like work together to get victims and stuff like that. Yeah. And if you find someone who's alone, it's very easily he could have been like the guy who sends people. Yeah, the spotter. Open roads scare me because it is lawless. Like if you guys have ever gone on long road trips, dude. Yeah. You're out there with no one. And like if you, something were to happen to you, the cop's not coming for hours. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like in a way it's like open waters or whatever. It's like it's pretty lawless. Like I used to drive between California and Las Vegas all the time. And even that is like fairly populated, but there are stretches that are like a hundred miles of like nothing. Yeah. Or these little shanty towns. Uh, yeah. It creeps me out. <laughs> no, I didn't like it at all. And I have to like kind of rein back myself too. Cause I don't necessarily feel in danger when I'm driving or like out in the middle of nowhere, but I have to be like, well, you're also a six foot two, like yeah. Yeah. scary looking dude. Yeah. So probably less likely someone will mess with you, and you're also all kind of paranoid anyway. Yeah. So I'm a tiny cutie pie, you know. So <laughs> I'm ripe for to those taking advantage of <laughs> for creeping on. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't think people realize like how big the U.S. is. Oh yeah, how much empty space there is, especially in the West, like the West side. Okay, I have a question, and this could be very dumb, so please correct me. But you know when people talk about overpopulation as an issue? Yeah. It's like, dude, we're all concentrated in like eight spots. Yeah. Yeah. In the US. It's like if we spread out a little. I know. I feel like if it came down to it, there's plenty of room. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. (laughs) Now I get like, yeah, there's resources and there's fresh water, which is like the biggest issue. But anyway. Everyone just when you fly, you just look out the window and you're like, no one is out here. Yeah. This is just empty spots. Like the most egregious example of that, I think, is like Australia, like 99%. And when I say these numbers, obviously I'm not, they're not correct. <laughs> Dude, fact, I kind of recently realized I need to be better at like when I communicate <laughs> because I just exaggerate and I like, it's just the way I communicate. Yeah. And if you actually stop and fact check me, I'm wrong 99% of the time. Even that is egregious, <laughs> an overstep. Anyway, most of the population in Australia lives like on the rim mm. and then the middle there's just no one. Yeah. <laughs> and, no one in yeah. lawless, dude. But yeah, those type of uh, environments freak me out. No, I get that. Because you're alone, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad Ashley made it to Oregon. She did make it. And her puppy. Yeah. And who knows? It was Hills Have Eyes out in Texas, oh, dude. That's a drive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a mission. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, I have a question. Do we wrap it up right now and record another episode? <laughs> or do we finish? Real quick, I do have a story for our patrons. Oh, oh yes. So um, if you're not a patron, go to patreon.com slash the 3 a.m. pod and uh, sign up so you can hear this story. It's a real spooky, spooky story. Cool. <laughs> so I actually heard this from my dad. Oh, about, you told me about this. I'm so stoked. <laughs> this is about, oh, uh, it was probably about a week ago. Can was, I say something real quick? What up? When we first met Sean, Sean goes, dude. My dad has the scariest story. I was like, I'm a hoe for scary stories. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> got it. This is before any idea of the podcast ever. I was like, you got to tell me. And he's like, he 
he made me promise I would never tell. Ooh, and this and is Sean it? has kept that promise. And this is not that story. <laughs> yeah, so this isn't that story. But Sean was like, my dad told me a story. He said I could tell. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so this is a, this is a maybe a little bit lighter than that one. So this happened to him down before they moved up here to Utah because they moved up to Utah in about August or so. And they were living in Arizona. before. And we're back. Like I said, if you're not a patron, be a patron. Sorry. I'm not trying to like, you know, force you into doing that, but like you're missing out on good stories. So hey yo. <laughs> That's it for me tonight. Cool. Let's wrap this up. All right. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of 3 a.m. Uh we love we appreciate you guys. Um yeah. And with that, bye, love you, be safe. Be careful out there. What's your sign off, dog? Yeah, dude. Bye. Oh. <laughs> Rain, dude. Honesty. Okay. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3 a.m. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. 
a production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network. You can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at killerpodcast.com. <laughs>